0: Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode, we're breaking from the norm to bring you an exclusive panel discussion featuring the directing team of the hit CBS series, The Big Bang Theory, presented by the DGA Special Projects Committee. The show follows two brilliant but socially awkward scientists and their equally geeky friends who have their lives shaken up when the attractive young woman next door shows them how little they know about life outside of their insular world. In February, director Mark Sandrowski, director line producer, Christy Cecil, director-editor Peter Chakos, director-associate director Gay Linville, director-second AD Nikki Lurie, and director-first AD Anthony Rich all gathered at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles to discuss bringing the Big Bang Theory to life with moderator Beth McCarthy Miller. Highlights from the panel include the panelists discussing the demands of single versus multi-camera shows, the benefits of working on a show with such a long-running history, and the scenes that terrified the directors when they read the script.
1: Hi, everybody. Funny show tonight, huh? So, guys, um, let's start with uh, the fact that The Big Bang Theory is one of the most successful sitcoms in history and will be when it finishes airing the longest-running sitcom in history uh, to beat out Chuck's show Two and a Half Men by a couple episodes. Right, guys? (laughs) Awesome. And... uh, Tell me, Mark, you just directed that episode. Yes. Good time hanging out with those folks? Oh,
2: wow, it's a blast. I mean, you know, how, how can you not have fun with that combination of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and William Shatner <laughs> talking to each other? It's like, it's, it's a dream come true. The way Johnny Galecki felt there at the end, that's how I kind of felt directing it. It was, it's amazing. And, and to the first part of the question there, it's kind of unbelievable that we've been on as long as we have. I don't think it'll hit till next year when, when we're really away from it. But um, it's just such an honor to be included, to hear something like that longest running when you think of shows like All in the Family and MASH and, and the specialty, uh, the special things that those shows were and that we're gonna be in that conversation and 25 years from now, you know, we'll be doing another panel and talking <laughs> about it. But know. And
1: especially yeah. now in the day and age where um, TV shows don't really get the opportunity right. to grow and thrive like they were back in the day when Mary Tyler Moore and Cheers and even Seinfeld yeah. was on the air. If everybody remembers, Seinfeld was not a huge hit for the first couple right. seasons, and they stuck with it. Um, so it's a pretty incredible accomplishment that Big Bang has been on for so long and stayed on the air so long, and and Syndicated Six Ways to Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, yeah. kudos to you guys because it really, Thanks. you know, what an incredible uh, accomplishment and what an incredible thing to be a part of.
3: Thanks. Um, that's, that's um, day we go. So, Mark. I was Mark, just going to say gratitude. That's the only main word that we all have Yeah, 12 years.
1: I'm sure, right? Because everybody out there probably knows that <laughs> this is a very <laughs> unique opportunity and they don't come along very How often. How many times
2: anymore. have we been on six episodes? Canceled at Christmas, you know. Merry I Christmas, mean literally, a lot. B-
3: before this show, my biggest desire was to go to a Christmas party because all my shows would get canceled at Thanksgiving.
4: I've been very fortunate, very fortunate. All my shows will go forever, it seems like. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay with you.
1: So, uh, they meant, uh, they mentioned the beginning, Mark, that you directed 230 of these.
2: Yeah, yeah. by the end, I think it'll be somewhere at 245 or something, 246, when we're all said and done. Wow, is, pretty incredible. Which is, yeah, scary. we've all, you always, it's a dream job. You always hope you can be on that show that's going to go for more than 13 and then more than a year. And here that it's gone for 12, I mean, we thank our lucky stars every day. We show up at work and go, can you believe they're still paying us, you know, <laughs> to, to screw around and, and have as much fun as we do but it's, it's unbelievable. And hearing that number that when they started talking about this panel, I kind of tried to figure out how many we had. And I mean, I think, you know, a hundred episodes is a great career for a director. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And to hear that number still doesn't, I can't wrap my head around it yet.
1: And also uh, it's such, uh, you know, Big Bang has really left a Big Bang, right? So uh, to be part of something that, you know, has been talked about and and in the science community i think there's been a bunch of stuff named after different things from from the show that's stars, pretty yeah pretty stars. incredible um and so you guys have all been together since almost the beginning right everybody's been on the show since the first season at yeah. some point right yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah right a very long time yeah but that's
1: that's incredible too that the turnover and um and the turnover was not big on that show and that you guys have been in it and been in it from the beginning. Um, can somebody talk about what's changed over the years doing the show? Is there anything big that's changed?
3: Well, we used to rehearse. <laughs> uh,
1: isn't that always the thing? Uh,
3: as a first AD, it's a dream. You're barely there. When I'm in the director's chair, uh, it's a, a lot more work because you have to be so, so prepared. I mean, we... Uh, you know, I, I will, sometimes we'll go to the Tuesday run-through, <laughs> and they'll say, well, God, I don't, it's only been working all week. And all week? All week was two passes on Thursday and a run-through, and now it's five days later. <laughs> and sometimes that's all we get. Mm-hmm. So it's it has become a little more challenging. That said, they all really know these characters, so you don't need quite as much time. Uh, but I think that's probably the biggest difference that we've yeah.
2: The work ethic hasn't changed, I think, either from anybody here or the actors. We rehearsed a lot more in the beginning, and it was five days, and and we put a big effort into it, and everyone was prepared. Everyone was on time. Everyone came ready to hit the ground running, and that that was from top to bottom for crew and actors. And you have to do less and less of it as time goes by, but I think as a team, it's it's great. We have a great shorthand uh, that we all... Uh, know one another well enough after 12 years that the timings that we allow one another are spot on. Having actors ready, knowing what we need to, cu- our editing sessions are much simpler because we know tendencies for each other, what we need uh, coverage wise. And so instead of spending several days in editing and agonizing to do that, it's Peter knows it and it's cut and it's ready and it's, it's, it's a joy.
1: Also, since they know their characters so well, it's, Easier to find little things that you're adding to the episode, right? Because they can more easily find those things since they, they know who they are. Yeah. So you don't have to spend I think so much they, they time. They also
3: write to them too, I think. They're, exactly. They're, you
1: know. um, how important do you think uh, setting an environment like that for the actors on a comedy is?
2: Um, I I think it's terribly important. It's something I've, I've always done, um, on any show I go to. I don't, not necessarily something that's been going for a while and you come in the third season, but if I start a show, uh, one of the first things I do, you're doing a comedy. You don't want people walking around on eggshells. You don't want screaming, um, it, you're not in a mood to laugh that way or to make one another laugh, which is what I think you're, we're trying to accomplish in re, in rehearsals. And to, to give that team feel, one of the things I always do first thing is buy a ping pong table on um, the first couple of first couple of shows just to get people blowing off steam, uh, not thinking about it and getting to know one another playing and not thinking of it as director, actor crew or anything it's just people playing ping pong getting to know one another and the more you get to know one another the more you get to trust one another and the more you trust one another when you're not afraid to fail when you're out there rehearsing and it just makes for a better show
1: i want to get my notebook out
6: get ping pong table.
1: <laughs> and we, we
3: played ping pong for years until yeah. everybody got injured knees shoulders
1: <laughs> playing ping pong yeah, playing. Okay,
3: um, okay. so Mark, when you're
1: not there, um, one of the awesome things is that other people on staff have gotten the opportunity to direct. Now, uh, Chris, you're the line producer, Peter, the show's editor, can you both kind of talk about what, what it was like jumping into the role of the director? Chris, you want to start?
6: Um, I think just being on the show from the very beginning, not initially as line producer, but most recently in the last few years being the line producer I am fortunate to be one of the first persons to see the script they give us the pages as they come out and to think about how you're going to start to put this together then pitch it to mark has been great because I was able to think about thoughts of how we're going to how this could be shot and then to give it to mark and learn how you actually do it <laughs> it was a it's been a really blessing to just like watch him through the process of all of it um and so when i had the opportunity it was it was great to have his support and in fact went to him and got some advice on some sets and just um i don't know what else (laughs) peter it's uh,
1: probably gave you good perspective on it helped you as a line producer too right because you saw it from the other side and right
6: yes yeah no exactly to then Want a bigger library? Then I wouldn't do that because of the line producer side. But no, not really. I think, <laughs> um, I think, t- just giving you know Mark the credit to have taught me so much already has been.
1: Everyone awesome. commented on how how the huge sets th- there were during your episode. No, I'm kidding. Peter, <laughs> <laughs> right. you want to uh, answer that
4: question? Sh- sure. Yeah. It, for for me, it's real different because I I usually spend all of my time by myself. You know, to a, to a degree, there's people in, in the post team, but I work alone and and I don't have to answer questions all day. And the first time you you get on that stage, it's like just a completely different world. First of all, I have to be there on a schedule, which I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean we're starting at eight? I don't. I'm not even out of bed at eight. But uh, so so I, showing up and doing that, and then everybody everybody is constantly coming to you. You're trying to think of your job, and everybody else needs to an answer for their job and. That was a little overwhelming, but, you know, you you roll with it, you get used to it, and you get help, a lot of help. I got a lot of help from this lady. And uh, and and it's – it's it, the, the best thing is that there it is a team, and everybody wants to see you succeed, and the, the cameramen are there for you. The you know, Gay was there for me, and she does the cameras, and I would discuss everything with her because even though I'm the editor and I know what I want to shoot, I don't necessarily know how to get from A to B as quickly as she's going because those cameras are a chess game on a, on a sitcom. And it's like, oh, you need a three shot here, but it's gonna be better from this camera because this guy's gotta be here for this. And you, you know, it's a, it's a learning process and doing one a year, you don't really, really ever get a stride going, but it's, uh, so every time feels like the first time for me, but it's still, it still can be fun and it's super challenging and, and the, show's, you know, the show's been a pleasure.
1: Um so Anthony, Nikki and Gay, you guys are all part of the AD staff. Uh, you guys want to talk about what it was like your your first opportunity jumping into the director's chair. Who wants to start? Go yeah, ahead, Gay, tent- you start.
5: Well, I was actually going to talk about the team as well because one of the great things about getting to direct at Big Bang since we're already on the crew, on the staff is that you know everybody. You know the crew, you, you know you know how they work, you know how to work with everybody. We're all supportive of each other, um, which is not always the case, but it is for us, which is really great. Um, so it's not like you're going into a show to direct for the first time as a lot of directors bounce around. We are sort of ready and we have a pretty deep bench. So, you know, if if one of these other people directs, somebody fills in and we're still with the same group of people. So that's terrific. I mean, that's half the battle when you sort of know what the roadmap is. Um, And it makes it a lot easier, I think, for all of us. And and it's not an easy show. I mean, it may look like an easy show to do. It's not an easy show because there's a lot of precision that's required uh, at Big Bang. Um, But we all sort of know, we think we know how to get there and help each other get there. So it's been great. It's been nice to have this little family.
1: Nikki?
7: Um, Yeah, I I agree with what Gay said. Uh, You know, I didn't direct until I think season nine or ten, and so having spent so much time with this team five days a week, you know, even though it's terrifying doing something new like directing for me, uh, it, it was you—you you had each other's rhythms down, and you knew you, who you could support, who you could get support from for you know a specific thing. And with that in mind, I think you know all of us stepping into this position, we have our strengths and our weaknesses. You know whether we're coming from post or producing. Or as an AD, you know, you you just have to focus on, you know, what your strengths are. And, you know, working with the actors and director day after day is a lot to bring to the table. And then know when you need to lean on your team for, you know, cameras or knowing what Pete might need, you know, in editing. It's uh yeah, but it's a, it's a great team to do it with. And,
3: and all I was going to add is just that, that I literally everybody up up here uh, has made it possible for, you know, for each of us to be able to step into this role. Um, I got my first break in the third season, but I had been kind of shadow blocking uh, Mark. And so I would, not so much the cameras, I, I would do that too, but it was the initial, the staging. And how, because you know, that's really the first thing that you're going to get when you're dealing with the actors and the thousand questions. And interesting <laughs> uh, thing that Mark taught me was, he said, you know, there's not necessarily one way to do this. And... I found that a couple times I would there would be a big scene and I would block it. I'm left-handed and Mark's right-handed. And it would literally opposite, mirror opposite uh, <laughs> staging. And so all the people were in the exact same spots but just flipped. Um, and then, you know, this woman next to me has literally allowed it so that I can move up. When Mark goes to pilots, uh, I can uh, direct because Nikki becomes the first AD. Uh, Gay has been absolutely incredible. Uh, with cameras and taught me so much about cameras same with Peter in editing and Christy and and the whole production team so we all come together and it's you really have this huge wonderful family of support and it's been amazing and um, I just will add one thing that Chuck Laurie said which was just it was beautiful Uh, there was one time I asked him if I could book out to do another show and he said I think that's a great idea he said I um, he said it gives everyone a chance to move up and breathe the thinner air, which I just thought was a, a kind of poetic on his side. So.
1: And uh, and that's so great because so many times when you are working on a show that you don't have that opportunity. It's like you can leave, but I don't know if you're going to have the job when you get back. Right. And He's been
3: so encouraging for all of us. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, the,
1: Chuck told me the story that the first time you directed that your dad – got to come and watch you direct for the first
3: time that must have been so cool it was really great and he didn't give me any notes for about two months uh (laughs) and then the second time I came I went to check on him during a during the scene and uh I said he was backstage and I said "Ah, how you having fun he goes oh I'm so proud of you I'm so proud of you he said but um you need to go back to the cold open you owe a single of Mayim and I said I know the shot They, they don't want that shot he says you don't have a single. I said, I have a single. And he said, no, you're shooting between their heads. It's a three shot. I said, it's a dirty single. And that's what they do these days. So that's <laughs> do, those are the kinds of things. Who, when you grow up with a d- director father. So. Yeah,
4: does everybody know who your dad
3: is? What's that? Yeah. Do they all know who your dad is? My dad was John Rich, who did All in the Family and the Dick Van Dyke Show. and I've Done a few things <laughs> so. at did the a, a, yeah, He was did mildly did successful.
2: There's right? a great story. The first <laughs> year we were on, his father um, wanted, I, I don't know how it started, but wanted to come by. He loved Big Bang. Loved the show and wanted to meet the actors. And I was like,
4: oh, please, please come.
2: And he's a University of Michigan grad also, which I am. And I had a little hat ready for him. And he came, and he was so respectful. He wouldn't come on stage till we were done rehearsing. He wasn't going to watch. He was like, no, no, I'll stay in the green room, wait till Mark's done. And he came out, and I just had the actors sit around and listen to him talk. And it was just... Years of knowledge pouring out and telling stories and, and people just looking at him like this and asking a question here and there. And it was the best directing job I think I ever did because I just, here, you do it, John. And and telling the <laughs> stories just solidified them as a group and what they had and knowing what he did, um, I just think elevated the show as an ensemble.
3: Yeah, they, and they loved him. And he, Johnny Galecki once called me, he's a, there, a bunch of them had gone to uh, Santa Barbara and they were staying at the San Ysidro Ranch. And he said, Your dad just was drove by in his car, rolled down the window, and said, If you kids are staying here, you're making far too much money. And then he peeled off. <laughs> <laughs> And that was only in season two. So <laughs> and, and also,
5: you won't say this, but um, John wasn't only critical, he was extremely proud of Anthony. So with good reason. Thank you. So guys, um, I,
1: and I think you'd all agree that when, and, and the ones that, that don't direct full-time that come from other jobs and direct, I'm sure it kind of helps you do your jobs better after you direct, right? Because you see your job through fresh eyes, right? When Perfect. you're directing. It's so cool, right? Because it just makes everybody better at their jobs, right? That's awesome. Um, I want to ask everyone, we'll start with Mark, what is your least favorite kind of scene? Like when you get your script... And you get, you're looking through it, and you get that scene where you go, ugh, how am I going to make this work?
2: Ooh, yeah, least favorite is, is tough, because um, we don't have that many, honestly, That's on the good. show. That's um, good. I think, for me, the least favorite is, you would think it'd be one of the dinner scenes sitting around, but those actually we've gotten into a rhythm of doing. I think it's a, when we're in a new set, and we have a large group of people, because Our actor, being creatures of habit, a lot of times they know where to go, their instincts are are easier. The hardest thing is to, we're breaking everything down and starting fresh again. And we may have a large set dealing with 50, 60 extras or something, and it's all new. And then we have to not only get our vision in and make sure it's where we want, then we have to show it to a set of eyes, producers that have never seen anything like it before, and they may tear it apart and go, "Oh, this is this is wrong. We need to rewrite this page, and it's starting over again." And I think in reading scripts, that's probably for me, the the uh, the least favorite that that I would do.
1: Anybody else have a different?
7: Eight people in one scene around a dinner table, and I got
3: all of those <laughs> all the time.
7: Yeah, because for you know for someone who doesn't do this every week, and um, uh, the hardest part for me is always cameras and always trying to figure out the most efficient way you know, even with the help from Gay and Peter, trying to find the most efficient way to shoot a scene. So when you have eight people, you know, even just, just reading it for the first time and trying to think through, okay, what would be the best way? Like, where who should be sitting where? Who needs to be next to whom to get the right take? And you can you can figure out eight different ways to do it. And in trying to, you know, you just keep questioning yourself, like, is there a magical right answer? And the truth is, there isn't always a right answer. There's just a choice and then, you know, learning from Mark that you don't always have to have the right answer. You don't even have to have an answer right away. You just have to, you have to just play. You have to say, well, let's try it this way and until we hit a wall, and then we'll fix it when we do and have that conversation. But, but reading that scene with that many people for the first time is like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I, I was just going to add, like, there are scenes that I've been terrified of. That I did one, uh, I directed one with, uh, there was a drone that mm-hmm. tore up the entire apartment. And when you read that on paper, I went, oh how are we going to do that? You did a but great the, job. But at the end of the day, it ends up, it came together, and then you feel so empowered. Same kind of thing with, I used to be terrified of the big scenes with all the dinners, and then you realize, the scenes where they're all there, that's when the, it just starts humming, because they just start going off of each other. So now I kind of look at something, and I just it looks like a challenge, and I get scared of it, and i thought, nope, that's going to end up being my favorite scene. So that kind of turns it My around.
5: first script, um, I had a scene... If you're familiar with the show, there's a nook in the upstage part of the living room. And it, it's usually a desk there and stuff. Well, I had a dining room table with seven people and walls that didn't move. So uh-huh. that was, well, I was like, oh, my God. And it took a long time to shoot.
4: I'm sure. Yep. Anybody have having- I, I mean, I, I echo the, uh, the, the lots of, I had, a, I had a, what was it, a bachelor party scene oh, with, yeah. with 12 people. And it was, that was fun. But no, it actually came, it actually came out great. But we but, but yeah, way. you don't remember that. Don't way. And then they, and then they threw changes. And when they threw and they threw changes like, you know, uh, between the camera run through and shooting the show. So you're like, wait a minute. These cameras are so like they have to be where they have to be. Now I have to squeeze in uh, another piece of dialogue and just talk the, the cameras through it because we're not, we're not going to get to see it till we're shooting it. And, of course, that doesn't always work out so great. So you have one camera that's a little late getting somewhere, and, and then everybody looks at you and you're like, hey, you, know, you Chris, added you two lines, where any- there weren't two lines, well, and think- we have no rehearsals, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs>
6: I think uh, I agree with Mark in the, the sets and the scope of it. Um, when you feel like you still get the connection between the actors for the scene that you want and for our producers who only see it halfway dressed because it's a new set and you've just built it and you've got – about 12 hours to get it set dressed, have the painting and the the carpets in and a little bit of lighting. And they they focus on the actor and they're like, okay, I feel like the scene's there because of the actors. And then when they see the finished product and they're like, well, that doesn't look very good at all. And you're thinking, well, how can we make this set better? And I think we've all learned, you know, in our current situation, we're building a giant set that we're gonna make it half green screen so it can look better and we can be prepared for this because the writers focus on the actors at that run-through moment, but then when it comes all together, um, even though they may have found that connection, you need to protect yourself. And so, looking at it, you know, I think I know kind of exactly is, what you're talking it's about. It's called a convention <laughs> center, yes, yes. right, Mark? <laughs> nice to have a budget for
3: green screens. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, let's go down the line and talk about like, uh, it, and anybody have like a favorite moment from a favorite episode? It doesn't have to be one that you actually directed. If if it's a different one, but you wanna start, Anthony?
3: Oh, sure, Uh, actually one, mine was an episode I directed. Uh, It was a, there was a Dungeons and Dragons, um, and it was the first time Sheldon and Amy got intimate, and, but it was just, it was a two-person scene, it was in Sheldon's bedroom, and they were just rolling the dice, and I just thought it was such a clever way that the writers got through this, because Sheldon and Amy had been dating for three years and had never even touched each other, and not, not even, barely, uh, not even a kiss or anything. And it was all done through the the game. And I remember when we rehearsed it, it was, we did one pass and I just said, walk away. And it was just beautiful. And then when we, we did the run through and we shot it and we did one take, walk away. And it was just, it's a lovely scene.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Nikki?
7: Um, mine is actually from one of your first episodes also. It was, um, the gang was all going to a convention where they were all talking on a panel like this. Yeah. Um, and, and there was some arguing going on, you know, some, some subtext. And I just remember specifically that Thursday run through and moments like that when it was just, everyone was so on point and it was so funny. And you remember that it's a play that, you know, we're shooting it and we're cutting it together, but really we get to in a week put on a play and, and those moments that make you realize that are just really And special. Chuck
3: Glory, if he finds something funny, that laugh, and he'll... he'll kick. Yeah. If yeah. you get a couple yeah. of kicks, oh, that's... Oh, no, that's
1: I, and now on Kaminsky, which is single camera, Chuck nope. and <laughs> Al rune takes all the time <laughs> because they start yeah. laughing <laughs> like they're on the Big Bang set, and I'm like, guys,
2: <laughs>
1: we don't have a laugh track on this show, you know? <laughs> Mark, your um,
2: I guess I have a couple, um, but I think what nikki says is important doing a play is one of the great things of multi-camera um as opposed to single camera having done them both you can find great comedy in it but when you're doing a play and it comes together and you feel at the end of the night you have completed an episode uh it's it's a great feeling and two of the two of the quick ones were when we did the train the wine train episode which is where i think sheldon and amy kiss for the first time because uh, uh, to this team we shot it very much single camera we built an entire train car replica train car on stage just had- want to say
6: i got to scout that by the way up in Wine country <laughs> that was pretty great
2: <laughs> That <was fun. laughs> and and it, it's it's a beautiful moment um which we landed on a lot of times i i think with these episodes these people really care about these characters and we care about these characters and you're you're constantly rooting for them and when something like that lands that moment lands it's it's magical and the other one was um uh something i was really proud of is kunal the first time he realizes he can talk without having alcohol there's it's a great little scene with him and kaylee on a couch and he's been upset and he's kind of commiserating and you reach a point in the re- and and on paper it was like oh that's a neat idea but until until we put it on its feet did it really sing and the, he reaches that moment and she says he goes yes I I can't talk without alcohol and she goes are you drinking now and there's that moment of he isn't and he's speaking to her and it's and it was so sweet and the same thing and the rehearsal was like we don't need to do this again let's wait for the audience it was it was that special.
5: Um, okay. you know, there've been so many, well, when we finish, it'll be 279 episodes. So picking your favorite scene or a couple of scenes is like picking your favorite Beatles song, right? So, um, I have a, a, a moment. We're doing that next, by the We're, way. Oh, good. Good.
4: Would you guys mind if I, I say ready. a little bit? Cause I, I've got a microphone. And <laughs> um,
5: but I have a favorite moment that happened off camera and, um, we had an astronaut on the show named Mike Massimino, and he, one of his astronaut friends was on the space shuttle and had a big crush on uh, Melissa Rash, who plays Bernadette. So he arranged for a, a hookup from the living room of the set to surprise the guy uh, to, on the space shuttle, to surprise the astronaut. Space
3: station. Space,
5: station. space station, I'm sorry. Space station, yeah. So we started, and, and it was so top secret with NASA, we couldn't even record it. So the cast was sitting on the couch, all of them, and the, and the rest of the crew was sort of sitting around. Um, actually, the camera crew weren't, weren't there. It was just writers and us rehearsing. And so we were all watching this as it happened. So it started with Bernadette, and she talked for a minute, and he was like, over the moon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Literally.
5: <laughs> and, uh, I forgot my by She's not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Andy. Um, and so then they, he, they pulled out and saw the whole cast there. And they talked to him for a few minutes. And he was so excited he couldn't stand it. And finally he said, wait a minute, let me show you something. And so he gets his, his laptop camera and he takes it over to the window and shows his earth. And it was all of us just choked up. It was the most amazing emotional moment. And it, I don't really think there was a dry eye in the house. It was, and it would only have happened at the Big Bang Theory. Which is why it was so special.
4: My favorite is um, there's so many, but I'm going to say it's uh, in my life from Rubber Soul, which is <laughs> really <laughs> just sometimes it just gets me. So it
3: really
4: does. No, no, my favorite. <laughs> my favorite moment was was when Elvis Costello came to watch the show. Yeah. So <laughs> that
1: was really fun. yay. That would have now been there, my favorite moment. Yeah.
4: <laughs> there are too many. There really are. There. Uh, I, I couldn't I don't know if I could pick a favorite and and uh you even don't of, have even to. of the episodes I did I don't really know if I have one. I have a least favorite, but I won't.
6: <laughs> <do>. But <laughs> Christy. Um as far as a scene when Sheldon and Hugs Penny at Christmas time, hands down my favorite moment. Um but my truly favorite of everything is Table Read Day because As a producer, I've been working on it, working on it, working on it, and it's coming together. And as much as you read the pages, you hear the voices, you sit down at that table, and I think there's not ever been a bunk table read. Like every single one, they they might get a little flat halfway through, but you find a genuine laugh at every single table read. And to have that, to go to work and have to laugh, not have to laugh, you get to laugh. Like it's the best job ever. And as a director, it's the scariest moment of your life because you have to be in sync with your cast. You're reading stage directions and not stepping on them and not like getting stepped on, like we're taking too long, your your directions and they cut you off. So it's finding that balance. And when I didn't totally screw that up, that was good too. so. (laughs) So that's
1: a good segue. You guys are working with some of the most incredible comedy writers in the business and most successful, uh, you know, t- talk about what a treat that is. I mean, Chuck is clearly, uh, you know, what can you say about Chuck except for he's yeah, he Chuck, is. right? Yeah. And then, uh, and you know, I've been, been really lucky. I just started getting the opportunity to work with him and everyone that he works with are, I, I mean, every single one of those writers are so great and so smart and so funny. Um, it's fun to get a script like that, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. and it's been it's been a um, smooth transition over the years because Chuck and Bill Prady and Lee Aronson were running the show at first, and then Steve Malaro came up and took over the show seamlessly, and now the last couple of years Steve Holland has done it, and they they are all Chuck is still involved at every table read at every taping, and but there's never been a drop off in the comedy and in the excellence in the writing, and. That makes table reads so great. And being able to, when we're shooting, the other great thing is Chuck is a surgeon, I think, on on shoot night. Uh, A lot of times, you know, we've been on shows where, oh, a couple of jokes aren't working and you sit and spend 15 minutes pitching on things and waiting and all this, and then the crowd starts to get cranky. And here, a lot of times, he knows the rhythms and says, you know what? Instead of trying to beat this joke, let's cut it. We don't need this couplet and you and you look at it and go there's the answer and 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 it moves right along and it plays better that way and in editing you go yeah why did we ever have that in the first place and all the writers but when we do try to pitch a joke they're they're on it and they're pitching and it's and they're all funny and it's oftentimes picking the best one let's let's here's the best rewrite let's go with this one and every rarely does it not work in front of the audience or it gets an okay and we beat it again, and it's it's just a joy to work on because we've been uh, we've all been on those shows where it's not that way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So. I'm just amazed too. We get our scripts like after a run through, five, six o'clock, and you know, you go out and other shows come at one in the morning and you know, two in the morning things. And like also, that you, never were,
1: you work on a lot of shows where you know you get the script and it's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or not good, but it's, but you know, it needs, it, it definitely needs work and it seems like you guys are getting very polished scripts go strong. right from the to get, get strong go. To
4: the table. That's I think that's always been Chuck's thing is never go weak to the table because you're just setting yourself up for for just so much extra work. It's like do the do the work on the front end and you're then you're just like you're tweaking. You're not throwing out stories. And, as Which a
7: I've new director, by. it's just like, it is such a gift to read a script and be like, this is funny. funny, this is good, and it's so clear what needs to happen and where we need to take it, and, you know, it's... And
1: you know that's not going to always happen now, Nikki. right? <laughs> yeah. Spoiled. We're Get always, ready. We're very spoiled. Um, so, Mark, you started doing some Young Sheldon, right? And so you have kind of bridging between multicam and single yeah. cam and... Um, I'm a little like you that way too. So you want to tell everybody what you feel about the differences and you know, what, what the strengths are of both genres?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've been involved multi-camera almost my whole career, but through that have done a lot of single camera elements, Uh, shooting on the Disney cruise and shooting um, uh, down in SeaWorld for three days and Legoland and on different shows. And, and it's, it's, from the from a multi-camera director it's making that work in a hybrid you know not taking 14 hours to shoot 3 pages but i got 14 hours to shoot 19 pages and you have to you have to make that balance of of giving up complete reverses and reactions and go how do i make this still make it a play even though you're on location Still we gotta make it a play that we can shoot because we don't have the time to do it. And then coming to a true single camera show like Young Sheldon, where you're you're able to dive into it a little bit look-wise is great because it, it allows you a freedom of of okay, let's try a single this way. Oh, let's keep it moving, let's try this, let's come off of here and and make a decision on the on at the time which one's best, which one I think will will work the best. But I love going back and forth. The hard part is getting the crew not to laugh, you know, I mean, I'm used to I'm used to giving timing laughs all the time when i've when I've directed new shows or pilots that are for the for actors that aren't used to multicam is you hear my laugh. you know, because I don't want them rushing through things. I don't want them blowing through jokes without a reaction. and it's it's getting them to slow down a little bit and get that rhythm of what a multicamera is. And that's probably the biggest difference where in single camera, it's let them run, let them run, let it, let it go through.
1: All righty. Um, do you also find like there, I find, um, in multicam, it's kind of you, you all, you get together at the table read and then everybody kind of just disperses, right? And everyone's doing all the things they need to do at the same time. Single cam, you have a little more time to, you know, kind of percolate everything and, and you know, you can worry a little more each day on, as uh, the show kind of morphs, right? Yeah, so.
2: exactly. You may not have to worry about that dinner scene until day six, you, you know, and you're worried about the simple little scenes or the bike riding thing that you have to do or whatever, and, and give your time to really talk it over with your prop guy and your set dressers and say, hey, you know what, uh, how, how is the set going to work this way? If I start without this wall and, and it gives you it gives you a, a little buffer period which is which is really nice um when you get into it you still have to make your day and you still have to uh um push and, and keep a rhythm and and i think for every director it's something that that we always talk about is is going in with a plan and when we do multi-cam it's having an idea of how you want to shoot it marking scripts and doing that but but even single cameras, going in with your shot list, having an idea. And it may change and you may throw it all out the window, but but you got to have a starting point and a point of view and a vision for what you want to do.
1: So, um, guys, you're coming to the end. Anybody have any thoughts on how you think the show is going to end or how it should end? Or? Well, we
5: have a writer sitting here in the audience. Andy, tell us. <laughs>
1: That's all right, ha- w- 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 let's let's put it this way. W- why um what would you guys want for like pick some of the characters and what what would you want for them for the end of it? Like do we want Penny to be pregnant? Do we want, you know,
5: a lot of people, I think all the cast wants that elevator to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they say.
2: That's their thing.
7: Either that or a horrible horrible crash.
2: <laughs> no survivors. Um you know, personally, personally, I... There's I, that dark
1: sense of humor, <laughs> Nikki.
2: Yeah.
7: <laughs> you won't get a spin-off that way, but it's... Right. Yeah. Show.
2: But I, I think one of the great things uh, that they've always done is the writings always come about organically, the way Mayim's character came to the show, the way Melissa's character came to the show. It wasn't, oh, we need to stunt in this year, we're given, you know, Wallowitz a girlfriend or something. It, it It came out of the room and writing and ideas and and doing one scene in a tag with Mayim and then hiring her the next year, go, this is interesting if Sheldon had a girlfriend and and going with that. And so the end of a season, I don't think we want that finality. I certainly don't of just the lights going off and we're never going to see it again. Or, you know, everyone's goodbye and someone's going to China and someone, you know, is doing this. I think you, you want the show to end. I know it sounds corny, but organically that, that, these people still have their lives going the next day and the next week.
1: But you bring up a good point about that because it's not any of the characters that have come on the show have not been like Oliver from the Brady Bunch where, like, they needed to bring in somebody, so they bring a kid with glasses and, a, <laughs> you know, a Bob haircut. Um, they have been very organic. Um, who has been everyone's favorite? Or how about this? Who would you love to see the guest star on the show before it ends? Because I know you've had like Stephen Hawking, you've had um, obviously Will Wheaton's on it, Bill Gates, Elon Musk.
4: (laughs) Yeah, a
2: little bit of money there, you know. (laughs) I mean, um, nuts. uh,
4: Harrison Ford would be great. That would be cool.
2: (laughs) I don't even know where to start with that. Really. That's tough because it's kind of tough to top that list you just said. I mean, yeah. Stephen Huck, Stephen Hawking, Hawking. We got to work with Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Newhart. Bob like, Newhart. Yeah, It'd be great to Bob, have Bob Newhart. We
1: love He's Bob so good on the show. Yeah. I know nobody it's, it's,
2: else. It, so you sit there and go, "Oh, it's been great." You you, you have these all stars that have come in every week, and and the great thing is, is when they enjoy the show, um, th- that they're fans of the show and want to do it. Will and, Wheaton was a huge fan yeah. before yeah. he came on the show.
1: And now he doesn't like it, right? right.
2: Just kidding. Just, yeah, that yeah, was a beautiful a, episode about him. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, boy, I don't, someone that I'd want to, because it's kind of hard for me to get past Stephen Hawking. Um,
1: All right, so now I'm going to ask, um, if there's any comedy out there on television anywhere, past, present, that you could direct an episode of, which one would it be?
7: Anthony.
3: Oh, I would do Shits Creek. I, that show oh. makes yeah. me laugh. That's a good I love one. that show. All
7: right, Nikki. It's just like so on the stolen. Like, no, dang it. Um, I'm a huge fan of The Office um and Parks and Rec. Uh <laughs> and so I, yeah, and, and I, I got to visit the set once when we were doing a publicity thing for the Emmys uh, and Jim when we we got to sit in the set, and I was just so it, it's it's Funny working on a set like Big Bang every day, and you do, kind of take for granted what it means to so many people who get to see that every day. You're just like, oh, whatever, it's where I go to work. But then going to a show like that that was that for me and sitting in the office, I was just, you know, in awe. so
2: Mark. I think uh, currently I love Silicon Valley, and I would love to dive into one of those. I think those characters are great. But also in the past, I mean, I was – I grew up and watching All in the Family and the impact that that had at that time on on my parents, you know, the, the language and the subject matter and how deep they got and knowing the effect that I saw on my parents and people that talked about it. I would love to have done one of those.
5: Okay. Um, I would pick two. Mary Tyler Moore. That Me down. too. I know. But hands down, I love Lucy. Oh.
1: That's hands a down. good one too.
5: Yeah. Pete?
4: I am really on the spot because. Uh,
1: Don't I, say in you know, my life. A, which, by the no, Beatles no, no, again?
4: No, no, that is, but I would like to have done Hard Days Night. Of course, <laughs> clearly, no, that's a no-brainer. The probably, probably Taxi.
1: Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah,
6: that was a that was a great there one. Is. So. Uh, um, very tricky. Uh, you worked on it, but Cheers, um, and bosom and Buddies. Just something ah. about and what, and what bosom buzzing. Oh, Bood- yeah Bodies. so
1: good bosom booties <laughs> whatever that was Bodies. called Bodies. I was really I think that's then, what they called it in Israel no. <laughs> yes sir uh, so guys do we think that we are we going to see a show like Big Bang again are we going to see a, in the in the new world of eight episode and ten episode and thirteen episode orders do we think a half hour sitcom is going to have this kind of, you know, I mean, longevity it's again? It's always
7: possible if you have a good story and good characters, you know, like starting with some really good writing and, and it's always possible, you know, it's happened obviously time and time again and I think there's a resurgence of sitcoms lately too, which, you know, bodes well, but yeah, absolutely. I think
3: we've gone through three cycles of multicams yes. are dead since yeah, we started, I, I, I have, you know, yeah. they just keep coming back.
7: I think
5: it's hard to imagine a show that would have the impact that this show has on the planet. Because, uh, you know, we've all traveled various places and we were in Africa four years ago and our guide happened to say that Big Bang was his favorite show. And he wanted to be Sheldon in, in real life. And, you know, almost anywhere you go, it's just tremendous. And I don't know that that could happen. You know, there's something that's so universal about this show that people relate to.
2: I don't know what it is. I think I think the the change like you said earlier um the change that now that Netflix and and the the model has changed and it the pendulum may swing back again with with a certain show or two but it's hard for me to think of 12 years of something i could see you know i i think in this day and age of only doing 10 12 episodes and the network model isn't the favorite of anybody under 20 or under 30 Um, The way they watch television is a different way. And I don't know if you can reach that many episodes in that many years. I think you could get a five-year run and just have great stuff. We hope. We hope.
1: No, wouldn't it be great? Um, uh, What's what's everybody's plan for after Big Bang? Like, is there something that you'd want to do? Like, maybe go to, you know, uh, maybe try a different genre or a different, you know, different kind of
3: i I would love to try mm-hmm. directing single cam uh I've been fortunate that I've been booking out and directing on other multi cams some of them have been getting picked up, so hopefully there'll be some work next season and stuff like that Ooh.
7: um I'm still very much an assistant director, so I would love to continue on the single camera schedule because I like my life Me <laughs> i'm sorry multi camera <laughs> schedule because i i like I like to sleep and and have a life outside of this too but um you know it's just to see whatever happens next.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah I think um, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of pilots coming up, and that's always, that's I mean, that's a newborn baby, and that's something that's very exciting to, to really start at the beginning with something and to have that picked up and have a chance to watch it mature and grow through the first season and hopefully more than that. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing for me to have that opportunity.
5: Okay. Um, I don't know. I love my job. I probably keep on doing it and maybe direct again. We'll see.
6: Awesome.
4: I'm doing a pilot with you. I don't know if you know that. So <laughs> Good, because I need all the help I can get. <laughs> so that's the next thing I'm doing. But that's
1: <laughs> Excellent. Because the last thing I want to be is the one director that doesn't get a Chuck Laurie show in there. <laughs> Christy? Um,
6: I would love to stay with the team that we've created here in any possible way. Um, would love to stay in Chuck Lorre Land because it's a great place to be. And I'd love to obviously direct again. I produce direct would be fantastic because I really love all of it.
1: Awesome. Um, any uh, parting words to uh, to everybody about what you guys want to say about the show or about. About your experience,
3: <laughs> it's just been a gift. I yeah. mean, the whole, like I said at yeah. the beginning is just gratitude and uh, twelve years. I mean, it's just it's unheard of. It's unheard of to have like a real a real job. And I remember we almost didn't happen. The strike hit uh, yeah. six, seven episodes in, and we weren't sure if we were ever coming back. And,
1: yeah. and didn't they shot the pilot twice? Right?
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah I didn't, did you do the? I didn't. You did I did the both. original. Yeah. I did yeah. both. I came out on the reshoot of the pilot.
2: Yeah, I, I personally think, I mean, you know, without trying to get emotional, because there's going to be enough of that happening, um, it's because it's it's been the family, the things we do, the way we screw around on stage and have fun and make each other laugh and enjoy one another with the cast is, I don't know if we'll ever capture that again on another show, certainly not year in, year out. Um, but I do want to shout out, I mean, we have some other members here today, T. Rye, Cassie, Robin, people that work on the show, Jacob, and everyone, and it's they're, they're part of the family, Ronnie, and we're gonna Andy. we're gonna hate to. I mean, Thank I am you. I'm gonna miss it. Just it's bittersweet. It. We we've tried to keep it light. This is our twelfth season. As we do our senior year, we're calling it of high school. Last year we did a junior prom. This year we're doing the yearbook pictures. We're okay. do, and we have tried to make it a a memory. You know that uh, that we'll never hope. I think experience again like
1: this. Well, I think everybody here has worked other places and you do realize what lightning in a button. Well, <laughs>
7: yeah. some I, of us are older,
1: on. Nikki. <laughs> so we've worked I've a worked couple other, many places. other places.
7: It's a, But it is, it makes it that much harder though. I mean, it's obviously I'm spoiled and blessed, but it's, you know, I don't know anything else. I don't know the big scary world out there. I've had the joy and pleasure of coming to work every day for the last 12 years with this group of people. And it, it is, I'm in a little bit of denial that I won't be able to experience that again.
1: Well, the world is big and scary. Yeah. So get ready. Can't wait. No. <laughs>
6: um, but but I think learning from Mark, like you said today, we all now know how to at least try and recreate what Mark has achieved. Which is, it's also and starts at the top, right? Yep.
1: And it's also lightning in a bottle a little bit, right? Yeah. Because... You do go to other places and you're like, oh, this isn't half as fun as the other place where I go. You know, you really realize when you go to a real stinker of a place <laughs> how special and how lucky you are True. to go to work every day where you get funny scripts and you have a great cast and you have an awesome team and everybody's there and in it with you. And people yeah. like each
4: other. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: well,
7: and so much of that is of your own creation. And like a lot of that goes to Mark and to Anthony that you know, you create that environment. Like, yes, it's great to have an amazing script and a brilliant cast, but, you know, I've worked with you guys on pilots, too, that were stinkers, but it still was a fun <laughs> place to be. You know what I mean? Like, because you still brought, there was still ping pong if you could find a table, and you still, you know, would do themes with uh, with blocking the scenes. You know, like, it, it says a lot about the kind of people you work with. It doesn't matter. Like, you, you can recreate it to some extent, but... Yeah, and I,
2: one last thing. I just... I look out here and I, I, when I was asked to do this originally and talk, it'd be, oh, it'd be nice to talk to a small group. I was not expecting this a turnout like this. I think uh, thanking, you know, our fans of the show that we meet in Africa or Norway or wherever we're at. But the fact that people care about the show and come out to listen to us, I think is great. And I, I just want to thank you for that, so...
1: And I think all of us want to thank you guys for doing such an amazing job and giving us such a great show for as long as we've had them. Thank you guys and good luck with the end of the season.
7: Thank you.
2: Thanks, everybody. Thanks for Beth. Give a hand for Beth. Thank you. What's that?
7: Oh,
2: okay.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to this exclusive discussion. You can watch the full video of the panel on our website at dga.org events. Past episodes of The Director's Cut are available wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.